Hello and welcome to the For Real podcast, the show that discusses music, film, and most importantly, fairies. I'm your host, Matthew, also known as Mike Feels Rough. And today, for our fourth episode, I think it is. Yeah, fourth episode. Or, or like episode 16, if you're counting from season one, I think. I don't know. That's definitely wrong. Uh, we've got uh, Tak, also known as Takatundia, on Twitter. Hi, how are you doing today? Hey. I'm chilling. I just got up mm-hmm. recently, so early. Yeah, it's episode. early for you. This is like an early. It's like an early podcast episode. Usually, I'm. I say to people, I'm like, Yo, can we like record at fucking like ten o'clock or something? And then they're like, Yeah, it's good because it's like five p.m. for them in in like America, but it's morning for you and it's like afternoon for me. So yeah, nice little little daylight. Yeah, yeah a little bit of daylight. Yeah. What have you been up to recently? Have you been doing much? Yeah, so I kind of have a lot going on this month. Okay. My friend Scrubbin is actually like visiting from the UK like last oh, week. Sick. So I was... Whereabouts do you know whereabouts in the UK he's from? Or they're from, sorry? Oh fuck. No. Not exactly. Okay. You'll have to let me know after the episode. Yeah, no. Because I might know where they're from. I'll I'll reach back out. But then mm-hmm. my partner is actually in town right now. So like they're mm-hmm. in the other room. So I just have had a lot of people just in and out, like, all week. So it's just kind of like... Nice little communal space, nice little communal yeah, space. Yeah, it's been a nice little vibe recently. Mm-hmm. I've recently came back from London. I went on a trip there for the uh, BFI London Film Festival. I went to go see White Noise, directed by Noah Baumbach, who's like one of my favorite directors. And it was a good trip. I went with my girlfriend, and we also saw some of my other furry friends. Shout out to Safanelia, lovely people. Uh, who housed us and uh, i really liked his, his film it's great I, i'm so behind on lab if anyone follows me on letterbox i'm like so behind because with the for real uh, films i like to write a long review but since i haven't had the time to sit down and write a proper review for them i have a backlog of letterbox reviews i need to do now so i've got like a list of things i need to do but while well, I also was at the London Film Festival, because we only went to see Noah Baumbach's film, and he was also doing a talk. Right. And some of you might not know, but some of you are quite close to me, although he's like literally my favourite director ever. He inspired my Fania film like significantly, and um, I just absolutely love his work. So to be able to be there for a screen talk, I mean, I'm from Newcastle, so I've you know, got a very long train from up north just to come to London to see him. And um, I forgot, I was like, if he does a screen talk, maybe he'll do like a signing at the end or a meet and greet thing. But And I was going to bring my Criterion copy of Marriage Story to like get him to sign, but I forgot to bring it. And I was like, oh shit, uh, never mind then. But then BFI in the actual cinema have a shop full of like loads of collectible DVDs and Blu-rays. So I was able to go into the actual shop and they had one copy of Marriage Story on Criterion. <laughs> which I already have, but I was like, I'm going to buy this just in case I have the opportunity to. So I bought it and then the uh, talk finished and it didn't look like he was going to stay for like meet and greets. He just walked straight out. And um, Jade was like, my girlfriend was like, I will just go to the front. We'll just see if he like walks out or whatever. And we walk out the front and he is like in the middle of getting into his car. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. And uh, I also had to buy a pen as well. I bought a pen just in case because he didn't have one himself or no one around had a pen. So I bought a pen at the shop as well. And I'm stood there with my Criterion copy of Marriage Story and my pen. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I don't want to bother him because he's getting in his car. There, were, it, there wasn't too many people there, but, like, um, he was, like, in the middle of get, getting away. And I didn't want to bother him and, like, you know, go up to his car and be like, hi, can you sign this week, please? I'm your biggest fan. I didn't want to be fucking annoying. So I just, like stood away from him and he got in his car and he shut the door and he rolled his window up and I was like ah I've missed him I've missed him and I think he just saw me like stood there a bit far away from the car with my pen and my DVD in my hand because he rolled down the window and went do you want me to sign that for you and I was like holy shit and I like I was like yes please oh my god so I walked over to him and like handed him it and I was like you're literally my biggest inspiration for filmmaking and he was like oh thank you so much and then signed it Give it back, rolled his car and window up, and off he went. So, yeah, I got to meet my favorite director. He signed a fucking DVD for me. And it was crazy. Very surreal. Very, very surreal moment. That but, really yeah. just I'll... does have big fucking dreamscape energy. It's just like right place at the right time. <laughs> literally. If I came out that cinema, like literally five seconds or like later, I would have missed him. Like genuinely. Because I literally got there, he was he was getting in his car as I walked up to the car, 
and then I was just stood there with my pen and DVD. I was like, ah, I've, I've missed him. And then he he went out of his way to roll his car window down and just pointed. He was like, do you want me to sign up for you? And I was like, you fucking legend. You did not have to do that. You could have just drove away, man. But you looked at me and you were like, this kid looks sad. I need a fucking, <laughs> fucking sign up thing for him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very surreal experience. Seaman is uh, he's a really big inspiration for screenwriting and filmmaking for me. Out of like all of the all of film basically him and Greta Gerwig are like the reason I like finished my fucking film degree to be honest but anyway enough about my London trip it was fun I spent way too much money on shit that I didn't need but I, I've actually fell in love with London more I used to go for like film festivals I don't have you ever been to London before I haven't unfortunately it's a it's a fucking scary place man oh, I mean for, for a northerner in the UK I find it really scary but the more I've went, the more I fell in love with it, really. Um, when I used to go for f- music festivals, because the, the the good ones are only, like, in Manchester and London. There's no good music festivals where I'm from, mm. especially with artists I actually care about, so I have to travel for it. And I've been to London a couple of times for them, and it's just, like, I was always, like, it's just way too busy, and there's always things going on, and, like... And it's the capital city, but, you know, there's always something going on. And I just felt like... It was just too much to live there. But now the more times I've went there to visit mates or go to events, I've like, I would kind of like live here. Like, I don't know. like, And a lot of the film like industry jobs are in London as well. So I was like, you know what? I, I kind of feel like living there. So I've been applying to jobs in London. So oh, I yeah. might be moving there. That's but, a lot to you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Rent is fucking mad there though yeah. so I'd probably have to share. <laughs> anyway that's another thing in itself and also the last thing i'll say is i was walking down i think it was in oxford circus and there was this guy with like headphones and he was like excuse me can i stop you for a second and me and my girlfriend were like okay and then um he was like oh um I, i'm like a rap artist and i make rap could you listen to this please and i listened to it. it wasn't even that bad i was like that's pretty good man and he was like, can I give you my mixtape? And I was like, fuck it. I was like, how much do you want? And he's like, a fiver. And I was like, all right, fuck it. So I've got this guy's mixtape here. And it's like, it's so sick because it's like a CD with literally just like Sharpie written on it. And like, just like a silly little sleeve. It's like a classic, like somebody in the street giving out their mixtape. So people want to listen to this thing called The Unapologetic Autopsy of Crime by Black Chronicle. That is the thing that I've been given in the street. So uh, if anyone wants to, f- I don't know if it's on streaming services, but I'm gonna listen to it when I get the chance. But crazy, I got this guy's mixtape. I just thought it was cool. That's, I don't know. It Usually sounds like that something. Around, I, but... It sounds like something that I would like vibe with very heavily. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Anyway, enough about my London trip. Let's talk about you. So, fairy, all that stuff, art. You do digital art. Um. How long have you been a fairy for? Just introduce yourself, go wild, and I will listen. Yeah. Go for it. Um, hey, I'm Tack. Uh, so I got into the furry fandom in like, fuck, probably like 2009, I would say. I was like... Mm. Wow, that's a long time. That's a long ass time. Well, I wouldn't say that I was like, I would consider myself a furry at that time. I was just a mm-hmm. little like goblin child with an Nintendo DSi. <laughs> And I yeah. was like, did you ever use, like, Flipnote Hatena growing up? I, did you no, have a DSi? That is, <laughs> that is so weird. As soon as you said DSi, as soon as you said DSi, dog, I was like, how I started being a fairy is watching, like, those, like, animal MVs. Yep. Yep. On, like, yeah, on, like, fucking Flipnote That is, like, a part of how I became a fairy is watching that stuff to, like, um, base hunter songs. Like, now you're gone. Literally. Fucking, like, anim- yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. most so humble, like, humble of humble furry beginnings it's the worst but i just remember i was like fucking 11 or 12 and just seeing a yeah. um like a furry amv on flipnote hatena and it was just like these two wolves um and fucking meltdown the like vocaloid song just playing in the background and in the back of my brain as just like an 11 year old child i was like this moment in my life <laughs> Is going to shape <laughs> me change. as a person yeah. <laughs> forever. Um, but yeah, no, I would say like, I started like self-identifying as a furry in 2012. So it's been like mm-hmm. 10, 10-ish years. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really got into it just because of like the whole flipnote scene. I was like super active on there when I was younger. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like really pushed me to be 
creative and really made me like want to get into like digital art. Uh, so yeah. currently I'm doing like a combination of like mixed media stuff. So like digital, traditional photography. I just like mm-hmm. really like to make like kind of fucked up punky looking like mm-hmm. indie fursona vibe stuff. It is sick. I love the stuff that you do. Because again, I say this time and time again on the podcast. Obviously, I love all types of digital art, but stuff when it comes to anthropomorphic kind of illustration, I love styles that are a bit that kind of tend to stray from the traditional norms of like cute fairy stuff and really use that person's unique art style to create something that is unique. Because I feel like with fairies and anthropomorphism and all that stuff, it's a unique concept in itself in terms of anatomy and what it is. It's like a human animal. So I feel like unique art styles really coincide with that kind of, you know, fairy anatomy stuff. So I do absolutely love your stuff. And I think your line work is fantastic as well. It's just like, I just love it so much. Thank you. I I just want every one of my pieces to be as just like scrimblo as possible. Scrimblo blimblo. That's how we do it, man. <laughs> literally, I like, so I went to school for design and... Yeah. I like worked in the industry for a little bit, like doing Mm -hmm. apparel design. And so there was a very long like stint of time where I was just like, I've got to have my, my OCs be like super clean, super like professional. And they've got to like follow this like rigorous set of rules. (laughs) And I fucking like left school and I was just like, man, I'm just trying to have fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just trying to have a good time. So I I feel yeah I feel like when it comes to art schools and like film school I think it's important to learn like concepts of like kind of set styles and stuff but I think in order to be a successful creative I think to make something that is outside of a certain norm or outside of a certain kind of ideal is what's best and I think you can only do that by working with yourself I guess in terms of having fun with something rather than doing something for a certain kind of concept i guess um yeah so i totally totally feel that i feel like we've been mutuals on twitter for like absolutely fucking ages yeah it was like i feel like we, you were like you probably won my yeah i think you were genuine one of the first mutuals i had on twitter and i think we're, we are quite like we we do talk from time to time but I do. It's just so weird to me that like you've no, probably known me since I started becoming a fairy, which is like crazy. Mm. I don't know how you found my account. Probably just through like a like tweet or something. But it's fucking crazy how that is like the case. It's like I I remade my Twitter in 2019, so mm-hmm. I was just like I was like I'm gonna remake Twitter, and I'm like only gonna follow like furry creatives. And I just remember yeah. like seeing your account pop up and just being like oh this person is like super into film and like that's something that I don't like touch and I just like (laughs) I wanted to follow you because I was like this just seems like it's going to be something that's like very interesting to watch develop and it has been it's been extremely fruitful so I'm I'm very happy that I've like gotten to like watch you grow and like do your thing so oh, my, my <laughs> smile is beaming right now Tuck. my smile is fucking beaming thank you so much and i think with you it's like i feel like when i first followed you i i'm unsure, i don't think you drew a lot of art um early on when i followed you i think recently in the past like year or two i've seen you do more and more and again it, it's been really cool to see your kind of like style develop and see you do loads of unique kind of pieces it's just i don't know it's just i love your style so much and again like that the cover art for this week as well is just amazing as well like the colors and the way that you've drawn it in the silly little carsey headrest t-shirt as well it's so based i love it it's so good i just lovely. i love <laughs> i just love making stupid things it's so good mm-hmm. yeah no but in terms of like other creative stuff that like i'm like getting into in the fandom uh Mm-hmm. I'm I'm currently learning photography. Mm-hmm. I have kind of an obsession with buying digicams from like the mid late thousands now. I just like picked up a yeah. little like Panasonic. And so I've just been doing like these super like shitty in the middle of nowhere in the city fucking like fursuit like photo shoots. And I've just, like, been doing them all as, like, self-portraits. So I'll just, like, walk around in the middle of Philadelphia and just, like, post up somewhere. And people will just be like, what the fuck are you doing? 
<laughs> just like, don't worry about me. <laughs> it's fine. Because <laughs> I have, because I've seen your like photography stuff as well, and you do a lot of fursuit self uh, kind of photography sessions, don't you? Mm-hmm. Which I which I really really like as well. Do you do all those yourself? Like, uh, do you just set up the camera in a certain kind of frame and then just pose in your partial? Is that usually how it goes? Pretty much, like. I'll just, like, mm-hmm. scope out locations. Because I, like, do a lot of street photography on the side now. Yeah. So I'll just, like, scope out, like, locations that I'm, like, this would look fucked up if I took a picture here. And then I go back you... in, like, the middle of the night. Yeah. How would you... Would you say you prefer doing a street photography at the moment? Or would you say... Do you, like, doing your, like, kind of uh, fursuit self stuff? Or is it just a hybrid of both that you enjoy doing? I'm definitely more of a fan of like the fursuit stuff because it's fun mm-hmm. yeah but i'm pushing myself to do more street photography because i want to expand my portfolio a bit yeah and i think it's really good as well when it comes to like furry created things is that you taking photos in a fursuit will just look like an art direction rather than a hobby not in a sense that that's a bad thing to have as a hobby but like somebody will be like, oh my god, they're wearing this animal suit because it's like, that's the unique part of the <laughs> photo. And it's like, no, nah, just, you know, my side hobby that works well in, in a photography thing. You know, it looks like a prop, but right. in reality, it's a, it's a whole different hobby, which is a great thing as well. I know, like, I can't remember, like, what episode it was in, but I know you were, like, talking about, like, interviewing for jobs and, like, pulling out your, like, portfolio of work and, like, oh, having yeah. it be furry shit. That has happened to me. In, like, okay. a very oh professional setting. <laughs> and I just can't allow it to happen again. <laughs> um, so, how did it go? How did it go down? So, what? It had to have been, like, 2019, 2020. It was, like, mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the pandemic. I was, like, mm-hmm. freaking out. Because I was, like, I need, like, an internship or something, like, right now. Because I was, like, in college. Yep. And so... I'm applying for this internship and I was like right in the middle of reworking my like actual portfolio of like regular design work and I was just like Mm -hmm. fuck fuck I gotta have like something to like show this person that's interviewing me and so I only had my iPad on me at the time and so I just organized a bunch of the shit that I had on there which is all my procreate stuff and my stuff from my PC so it's just like all furry work. And so I yeah. just, like, organize it into, like, a neat little PDF. And I bring it to this woman. And we're just, like, chatting. And I'm like, so, yeah, here's, like, my credentials and my past work experience. And we're vibing so hard. And she was like, so how would you, like, define your style? Like, like what do mm-hmm. you like to make? And I was like, uh, about that. <laughs> and so I just, like, pull out my portfolio. And it's, like, this 60-year-old white woman and she just looks at it and she looks at me and then she looks at it again and i'm just sitting there like so (laughs) it's like what do you think what do you think and i didn't get a call back (laughs) oh my god that's fucking sucks it is what it is hair loss man yeah (laughs) i still think it's so sick though there's a recent photo that you did where like you're on like a staircase and it's like really dark lighting and it just looks so ominous but it works with your suit as well because you know you have like a yellowy kind of orange kind of deer and it just sticks out and it it is the primary kind of like subject in the shoot and it just looks so sad i don't know just the way that and again there's this one here where like it's from a low angle and showing off your fit and it's a fucking sick ass fit as well (laughs) Oh, just there's just I feel like you really kind of work with camera angles really well, and I think it's it's an interesting kind of concept to use that with furry because I think a lot of like again this is no hate towards anyone because like you know all furry stuff's great, but a lot of like fursuit Friday fucking posts are always like if I put my paws up in bed will I get a silly little treaty and it'll just be them like kneeled up on a fucking bed and it'll just get 5,000 likes because it's just fucking horny furries but what I want to see is like Thursday Friday posts that are like fucking different in like different angles different kind of color uh different like color palettes and like like you know 
different backgrounds and like studio stuff and i think we need more of that and i think that's what you're pushing towards and i really like that i i love like seeing people just like experiment with like fashion and like different like camera angles and just like pushing the boundaries Mm -hmm. of like what you can do with a fursuit and like especially like mixing media and just like taking a photo and then like editing it adding illustration and like typography and just like all this shit that just like really elevates it to another level i just think is like super fun and i don't know i just i want to i want to surround myself with people that are that are doing interesting shit like that Mm -hmm. and it helps you broaden your style in terms of defining what you want to do and what you want to set as your thing as well and i think that's one uh kind of element of of furry and anthropomorphism that like helps you because you've got that kind of diverse uniqueness or unique concept i guess to experiment which is what i was saying before so yeah no it fucking rocks i love it so much yeah would you say you're would would you say then you were saying that you were pushing for photography more than your digital art now or are you kind of doing a mix of both i would definitely say i'm in like my mixed media arc um Mm -hmm. A lot of my, like, recent, like, pieces have been, like, focused on taking a photo and then, like, overlaying illustration on top of it. Uh, I've really been doing, actually, mostly traditional in the past, probably, like, five or six months. Just, like, Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, painting on top of photographs. Um, Yeah. So, that's kind of, like, been my vibe recently. But I just, I kind of, like, popped off a little bit on Twitter, like, two months ago. And I was like, mm, okay, people like this. This is the style that I got to, like, hang on to for a little bit. So it's been, like, very much the, like, traditional photo hybrid, like, mm-hmm. Polaroid mixed media look. Yeah, I was about to say, because I've seen the ones of you painting over Polaroids, which looks really, really cool. Um, what made you think of that? Were you just, like this is a way to kind of combine my photography and my digital art into one kind of art piece or were you just kind of like i'm just gonna draw off this over this polaroid and be like see how it looks just experiment with it yeah i was just like kind of fucking around i (laughs) like i did this stupid little painting like right when i moved to philadelphia um Mm -hmm. because do you follow the Twitter account shirts that go hard? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was one that I saw like a few months ago, and it was just a T-shirt that said, "Makes me want a hot dog real bad." <laughs> and so I was like, "I'm gonna draw my fucking OC in that shirt because it's gonna be mm-hmm. funny as hell." And so I drew it. But I didn't, like, actually, like, draw the shirt all the way. I just took a fucking Posca pen and drew the shape of a shirt and overlaid the text and drew everything behind it. Mm-hmm. And it was really stupid. But in my head, I was like, this actually, like, kind of goes hard. <laughs> like, And so I just, like, kept making illustrations of that style. And people were just vibing with them. And I was like, all right, I guess I've just, this, I've, is, I've found it now. <laughs> this is what I'm doing now. I've, fa- I've found the uh, the post I think you're thinking of. Is it? Do they have like? It's not your like standard sonar. Is it like a B? Yeah, sonar it's, that you it's have? my B. <laughs> That's so cool. It's so stupid, but like, and I think it's my vibe yeah. now. And I think what else stands out from like your well, it's not like didn't is the stuff that you do is that that's not digital, is it? Like some of the stuff, like it looks like you've painted over stuff. In like, there's a one of um, two uh, furry characters with uh, like a yellow and red painted over them. It says "Via V Le Amore," and it's like all kind of. It, it just it, I love it because it's just it feels like it's got layers to it. Like it feels layered, but like like blocked layers. And I think it works with your style as well because I feel like your style is very clean. It's very like symmetrical. It just feels very kind of organized but in a good way and so so with that do you is that like standard stuff that you sketch out or like fine line and then you paint over it i actually freehand like all of them oh it's so sick i like i really hate pencil marks <laughs> mm-hmm. and so i have um fuck what are the pens called 
I have these really nice like fine liner pens that I do all the like illustrations with and they just like write so smoothly. And so I just have a like really high level of control with them. And I just mm-hmm. like, I kind of just like think of a composition in my head and I just yeah. like work with what I have and just like it eventually comes out. I throw away a lot of shit. Like, 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 it takes like a, a lot of attempts, but yeah, yeah, that's kind you of prefer, my you prefer that to you prefer that using pencil work. Yeah, I would say so. I get that though. I get that sometimes. You know, like, I I don't like when I draw. I don't really like sketching out shit. I mean, I just draw my silly little like bears and cats and stuff, and usually I just fine line those out and just get them on the paper. I don't really like to sketch out stuff maybe it's just because i haven't learned that way but i don't know maybe i'm just too lazy i'm just too lazy to do that shit but i love it it's like it's fucking class it's like kind of a side tangent but i love the like little bear illustration you did a while back oh man it's so it's so funny i just the like wobbly lines that it has are just like it just has a lot of character i like really enjoy looking at it just a silly little geezer you know just a silly little guy yeah (laughs) yeah i'm gonna do more stuff like that i just haven't had the time to do more sketchbook stuff but i really do want to like sit down and learn how to draw more but i just haven't had the time to focus on it i guess absolutely Um, you should absolutely like take some time for that because i I would i would love to see what you could like come out with thanks let's jump on to so have you been at like any conventions what are your convention experience is like? Yeah. So I've been to MFF twice. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yes. <laughs> so Where is it based? Is it based is it based in Chicago? Yeah, it's in uh Chicago. Yeah. It's like South Chicago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I've been to MFF twice. And then I've yeah. also been to Furry Migration twice, which is like a small con in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And then I've also been to Furry Delphia once this year, which is it here I've, in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um A few of my mutuals, a few of my mutuals go to Furry Delphia because they're like based in Maryland. So like I don't think it's that far away from them. I don't know. I don't really know US kind of it's pretty close. Uh, Maryland's pretty close. Yeah. Like, that yeah. whole, like, northeastern, like, PA, New York, like, area is, like, pretty tight-knit. Yeah. My friend size from Baltimore, and I think I see them uh, go to Philadelphia every year, so... I think cool. I bumped into them. I'm pretty sure I did. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so cool. No, they're absolutely sweet. Um, but, yeah, no, furry migration was, like, actually my first con, and... I went without a fursuit or anything, just, like, vibing. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Yeah. <laughs> and my partner was like, you'll like it. And they were right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just, like, uh, just like being in, like, a space with, like, so many, like, like-minded people and just, like, being able to see all my, like, online friends in real life. Yeah. It's so... It's just so wild to me. It's very, It's very surreal. I mean, I... Went to CFZ, um, which is the big furry convention in the UK. Mm. I don't really have many, like, online furry friends, I guess. I think there's a lot of people who have, like, a very kind of broad... I mean, I think it's different in the UK compared to the US, because I think the US, you have more opportunity to have online furry friends, but the UK, it's a little bit more tight-knit. Mm-hmm. And we have fur meets for, like, specific cities and stuff, and people tend to have their, like, certain groups. But since I went to York for uni... Um, you know, I'm from Newcastle and then like, I just kept bouncing about everywhere. So I didn't, I never went to a meet. And then since I went to uni during COVID, I didn't really get to go any meets there either. So I never went to a York meet and I wasn't really confident about being a fairy before uni whilst I lived in Newcastle. So I didn't get a chance to go to any fair meets. And then my first actual proper like fairy meetup was Confuzzled. And I knew a few people, but I wasn't like totally kind of i mean like I, I didn't have many online friends i just went with like my irl friends who are also furries but i feel like a lot of my um like online furry friends are like from america which is like super weird but um i don't know i, I mean aside from that like i have kind of broadened my horizons a bit i mean jade or Aston, my girlfriend she has a lot of fur- she has a lot of online furry friends from the uk 
and she'd be like, oh yeah, well, this person said this and this person's from here. And I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> it, ju- it just baffles me. I feel like there's such a difference or significant difference between how many furry connections people have. It's not a bad thing, but I definitely want to kind of like broaden my horizons and try and make more furry UK friends before I go to the next Confuzzled so that I can go to more people and be like, yo, it's you. I've talked to you on Twitter kind of thing. And I think I'm getting there a bit. So, yeah. But but I've never heard of furry migration before. It's interesting. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like furry Delphia in terms of like size and the vibe of it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like a smaller con, but it grew a lot this year. Uh, I unfortunately like didn't get to go just because I was moving. But I heard that it was like a lot bigger this year than it was in previous years. Yeah, um, but they have some like really cool people. Just like the whole Midwestern like furry vibe is yeah. also very like tight knit and close. Um, mm-hmm. So just like the whole Minneapolis scene, like there are like parties and meets and stuff that are just like happening all the time. So I definitely very much miss my friends out out there. But mm-hmm. I I just think it's time that I was back on the East Coast. So yeah. I get you. How are you finding it? Are you finding it okay? Yeah. No, I, I grew up in Atlanta, which is hilarious because I've never been to FWA. Oh, <laughs> um, but like that, that's that way. Yeah, because that's a big. That's a big. Yeah. Too. I like always like would say I'll be like I'm gonna go to FWA this uh, spring, and then I just mm-hmm. like got busy or I wasn't home, and I was just like, all right, I guess I guess that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. No. Philadelphia, it's it's like Atlanta, just colder. So <laughs> that's I'm gonna piss a lot of people that's off good, by saying that. That's a, that's a good that, that's a good summary of me because I fucking don't know anything about them. So right. Ugh. So I mean, we're on 35 minutes, so we could like round it off and move on to the choices. Is there anything else you want to say about being a fairy? To summarize your stuff or anything you want to say? Uh, yeah. Just uh, watch a bunch of old flip notes and it'll change your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That's how I grew. That's how Tat grew to be Kindred a fairy. You know? spirits. It's it's the it's the true it's the true coming of fairy age, you know. Literally, I I I remember that it's just so weird. As soon as you said DSI, I was like, yeah, I to- that like, I knew exactly what you're. Okay, gonna say. so one hundred percent. One last side tangent, just because I think you'll okay. appreciate this. I recently bought a new DSI. Okay. Specifically to take with me to concerts. <laughs> oh. Because okay. I want to be okay. that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. not the 3DS videos. I want DSi photography only. Only edited on that the works. DSi. I have so many cameras that I could take that are actual cameras, and I'm like, no, we're bringing the DSi. Take DSi. <laughs> you don't understand how many fucking 3DSs there were at that 100 Gex concert I went to. It was like insane. There was just so many. That's so it's like fucking everywhere you good. Because at that, because at that point, I think when they were touring Europe, like when I went the Manchester gig, um, the 3DS craze for Gex gigs were like was like at its peak, where like it started off with like one or two people, um, like early in the year, and everyone be like, "Lol, look at this person bring this," and then it turned into like a proper trend. By the time <laughs> I saw them in like when I see them, was it? When was it in October? I must have seen. I think I saw them in. Uh, August, maybe August or September. So, um, when when by the time that came around, like everybody was doing it. So everywhere I looked, there was just a fucking 3ds in the air, and I was like, Jesus Christ! I was like so That's sad because I literally bought mine like specifically for the Gex concert too, and then mm-hmm. I fucking couldn't go, and I was like, All right, I just I have this DSi Why? now, <laughs> and I'm Why making the. Go? I just like was prepping for my move because that was right around the time where I was like visiting Philadelphia for the Mm -hmm. first time. So I was just like, shit. (laughs) All right, I guess not. Mine got postponed because it was meant to go. It was I was meant to see them uh, in February whilst I was at uni, but then it got delayed because I think because of COVID stuff. So it got postponed to like August, September. Which wasn't awful, to be fair. It came around, like, really fast. I think, like, a week before the gig, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, this is when the Gex gig's meant yeah. to be. I'm going to get myself to Manchester. So, I had yeah. to pick between them and car seat headrest, and I was like, I'm a little emo <sighs> I boy, seen so... 
I still haven't seen Kazi headrest live, and I really want to. Especially if Will Talita is going to pull up in his fucking first suit, bro. Oh my god, god bless yes. Him. Bless his little soul. Anyway. There's a fo- I swear there's a photo of him, like, at a convention in his rabbit suit, just sat down in the seat, and it's really fucking Oh, funny. I know exactly the fucking picture <laughs> you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Just the candid Will Toledo photos are just, like, the funniest fucking genre in he's just themselves. a silly little, little scrimbler, man. Just a little guy. He's yeah. just vibing. He's just a little guy. He's just vibing. <laughs> anyway, we're on like 38 minutes. So we will move on to the album choice of this week, which was Forget Me Not by Five Pebbles. So this, you changed this record, but is it is it a thing of like... With Five Pebbles, is it kind of like Laura Lez's Osno One, where this is stuff? Is it is this Weather Day before Weather Day was called Weather Day? I was trying because you put in brackets Weather Day, so I'm 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 confused. You explain it, and also explain why you picked it as well. Yeah. So I don't really know why they like did it under the Five Pebbles name because I was doing some research, um, just like about the EP. So initially, I wanted to do. Um, weather glow which is like a collab album mm-hmm. between asian glow and weather day but i just think forget me not like holds a lot more of a special place in my heart um so weather day did this album in like a week like mm-hmm. i want to say a year or so before it like came out and they like scrapped the whole thing and they were like i don't want to release this right now and from what I could gather, it sounded like they were like, I'm going to remake this and re-release it, and I'm going to just work o- work on it over time. And this will make me feel better about deleting the original files for it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that that's kind of the vibe of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just really enjoy it. It's just, like, super noisy and, like, unapologetic in, like, its message and, like, what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. So... I- Literally, the first note I have for it is "Holy shit, very, very noisy." <laughs> yes, and it—I think it's the peak of like noise enjoyment for me. I still really liked it. I mean, even before when I when I caught when I first called you before we started recording, I was like, "I've just finished the album." I really liked it because <laughs> I did. I it was something different as well. I think because it wasn't like I was worried by the kind of li- the kind of first track uh, by the sound of it. I was like. I really don't want this to turn into like fucking Mersbo because that is like my <laughs> limit. Like I can't enjoy Mersbo, but it, it luckily did not turn into Mersbo. And it was like really good. And it reminded me more of like MBV right. more than like anything like Mersbo y. Especially um the like it, like this track Kiss really reminded me of stuff on Loveless, like a lot. Just the way that it's like layered in the way that the chords are so- like sound and stuff really reminded me of Loveless. I mean, someone might kill me for saying that, but I don't know. It's not shoegaze. It's whatever. I, I, I get it's what, what it you sounds mean, like. though. Like, it, that, that, yeah. like, it's a logical comparison, you know? Mm-hmm. I also really like the how the beginning started with a Japanese sample. I really like that because it also coincides. I feel like it coincides with the album cover, which I think is lovely as well. And I think it all, the album cover also kind of depicts how I felt when I listened to it. I was like, whoa, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. I'm just like a sender right now. No, and then yeah. it also link, it also links with the film choice, which we'll talk about in a second as well, because it's both Japanese kind of cent- centric kind of stuff. I was saying that with the, I don't know, one thing I did put down is that like each track feels like the final track, if you get what I mean. Like each like each of the tracks feels so overbearing, but in such a good way. Like it it feels like it's a conclusion of conclusions. It's just so busy. I I really really liked it, and it felt it just I feel like it was the kind of thing that scratched the certain part of my brain. Definitely. I just I I would absolutely agree with you. It just feels like it keeps going is what Mm -hmm. i I love about it because i remember listening to this album for the first time i like had just gotten back from mff um and i had stayed with uh, my friend reed and my friend byron uh who Mm -hmm. who i now live with and so i was in this like fog of being like is this what i really want to do 
And I just remember yeah. walking around in like downtown Minneapolis in the dead of winter in December <laughs> through fucking Dayton's, which is just like this shitty ass department store that just like goes on oh forever. God. And I fucking saw this shit pop up on my band camp and I put it on and I just remember walking and feeling like I was just going forever. And I was like, this is just like a very special moment. It just, yeah. it feels so ethereal and just weighted. It just yeah. really like brings you down to earth, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's good. And I think it's, it, it, it brings you down to earth, but it also feels like it's, it's just so weird. Like I felt really spaced out whilst listening to it as well, but in a, in a definitely in a good way. And I think it just it definitely feels longer than it is because it's only like a 20 minute ep yeah it's sure. and it's a, it, every everybody's loving the eps on the podcast at the moment we had some ep choices man had an ep choice a couple episodes ago I have an ep choice now people be loving the eps, EPs but are I, I, eps are i like at. eps <laughs> and, it, and again i think it's the same kind of it it, it successes at that concept that um the sound it goes on long enough that like it's it's the same kind of vibe throughout and it makes it feel like a coherent piece of work but not too much in a sense that it feels stale because of the length of it and that's how i felt for the japanese house uh, ep that i listened to with the podcast a couple episodes ago yeah. with jess and it's just i like things like that like little kind of projects that feel like they have a set theme and it ends just as it would become like a bit too much of the same concept um I feel like I was quite surprised by um, the difference in streams between each song. So there's like two specific, like specific songs that have like 200k streams, and the rest have like 90k. Because I think they were all just as good as themselves. And also, what you were saying about the Bandcamp thing, like I do feel like this is the kind of EP that would like turn up on my Spotify radio, and I'd be like, "Whoa, what is this? Like, where did this come from? Like, this is great." Or like on my Discover Weekly or something. And I'd be like, what the fuck? It's crazy. But in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Like, my two favorite tracks from this are Kiss and We Know the Devil. Because they just like, Mm -hmm. they just like blend so seamlessly into each other. Like, it just feels like one long ass track. And just like Mm -hmm. the grief and like pain that's like being like explored. Like, I don't know if you've looked into like the lyrics of like at all in this EP, but just like, it's very heavy. And it just, like, it hits differently. <laughs> Definitely, uh, if you can walk through a department store in the middle of the winter and just, like, put this shit on, like, yep. it's just an energy. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll go to, like, a 24-hour Asda in the UK, and then I'll just, like, walk around, and I'll just, like, it'll be an experience. It'll be a core memory for me. Yeah, it literally, Definitely. that's what this EP <laughs> sounds like. It it sounds like like your high school memories. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's what I was thinking because I was listening to something and I was like, I can imagine this like in a montage of something happening. Like, I don't know, just like something happening in a film. And I do that all the time with music. I always imagine like scenes to music. And I think my friend Cameron told me this thing that was like music makes a film. And I like totally agree with that now because yeah. now I find myself coinciding music projects to certain other bodies of work that have the same kind of style or feel. And I listen to Uh, music and i'm like i want that in my film when i eventually make something that has the same kind of feel as this so yeah i think my favorite tracks were like cat's tongue and kiss but also with down softly this is such a weird thing to say but like there's a chord progression i can't remember how it went but it really reminded me of like Sonic the Hedgehog music and it was so weird i don't know just i know exactly what you mean yes (laughs) Like the chords progress, and I was like, "This sounds like something out of fucking like Sonic Advance or something." It's but it's, it's like in weather a good day. Way. It's weather day. It's gamer music. Yeah, gamer music. It's man. like two steps above like prototypical gamer music. <laughs> I mean, I've heard. I think I've heard some of Weather Day before because it has came up on my Spotify radio. Like I've heard um, "Come In," oh, which is yeah. like the top like top track on air, which is that that the album's called the same thing in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I've listened to that full project like through because it's like a long project. It as well, is. I think, there are some long up, tracks. Yeah. If if I had to recommend like not from this EP but from that album, just like one track to listen to, you should listen to uh, "My Sputnik Sweetheart." Mm-hmm. I feel like it really spans the entire gambit of like what that like album is like. 
it's like a 16 minute long trek <laughs> so that's like, oh that's that's like swan's level man that's like yeah, swan's level it's, of tra- it's trek, a man. long fucking track but, but i feel like th- this kind of music is the kind of music that would expand my music taste i feel like i do a lot to listen to new things but at the same time i do find myself struggling to kind of uh keep up to date with like current a kind of artists and stuff and even like different genres i do like to experiment with stuff and check out my discover weekly but at the same time i do like my silly little bubble of my favorite artists and what i enjoy mm-hmm. and i feel like listening to this would be a thing of like oh this is like something different and i would get into more artists that have a similar kind of style and feel definitely i feel you i feel you yeah we're on 48 minutes which isn't too bad actually it gives us like 15 20 minutes to talk about the film if you want to move on to the film unless there's any is there any final things you want to say about the album slash ep uh listen to forget me not by five yeah. pebbles slash weather weather day <laughs> it's only 20 minutes man it's only 20 minutes of your life and you can listen to it and it'll be sick it if you haven't listened already deserves you, more you recognition good, you you good you good people who listen to the podcast listen to the f- album and watch the film before every episode i feel you i respect you Thank you so much for doing that. You know, it's just a little homework, you know, for each for, for real podcast episode. Braver than anyway, the <laughs> Yeah, literally. Right. So we'll move on to the film choice of this week, which is Wolf Children, directed by Mamoru Hosoda. So... I haven't seen, well, I hadn't seen this film before. I'd seen clips of it because I had a My Neighbor Totoro DVD and there used to be always a trailer for this film before that before that film. It was like a, one of those like re, re-presses of Totoro. So like I had like all the newer kind of trailers on beforehand. Um, I have seen a, uh, The Girl Who Let Through Time and Summer Wars, which are other Hosoda films. Mm-hmm. And I expected to like fucking like be super super biased towards this film because obviously it's quite fairy but like i still really really liked it i don't think i liked it as much as summer wars but again i haven't seen summer wars and girl left left through time for so so long so maybe i need to rewatch those i think one thing that is very apparent with Hasoda films is that this is probably the one that's not really a negative thing but it's like a thing of like classic anime tropes is that like they're so cheesy, man. But yeah. like, you know, it's a good, it's a, it's a good cheese. It's a good cheese. I like it. But I mean, Summer Wars is probably the most the cheesiest one out of all of them. Um, it's like you know about a fucking like the world's gonna end because of some fucking online computer game thing. It's like an anime Black Mirror type shit. But yeah, I mean, before I go through my thoughts on the film, do you want to go through why you chose it and you know your thoughts on it? Yeah. Uh, so I watched Summer Wars for the, or not Summer Wars, I'm just in like a Studio Chizu mindset now. (laughs) (laughs) I watched Wolf Children, uh, for the first time, like, a week before I moved to Minneapolis Mm -hmm. for college, and Mm -hmm. it was like, two o'clock in the morning, I had just like, gotten into like, a huge like, spat with my mom, just like, about like, everything like, going on, and I was like, on like the shittiest like anime like streaming website like it was like yeah. fucking kiss anime it was like fucking 2017 <laughs> and so i was watching this shit in like 420 like p i feel that because i I messaged you i messaged you as i was watching it and i was like I, i'm having to fucking watch this in like 240p man because i'm not paying for fucking funimation so i'm gonna watch this film in 240p and i also watched the dub version oh God. which to be honest with i, I didn't find that bad I think with anime films, I seem to go to watch the dubs more. Like with Ghibli films, I watch the dubs. And I mean, with Satoshi Kon films, I like to watch both the dub and the sub. But that's just because I would say Kon is like my favorite anime director. I would say he's better than Miyazaki personally. But I don't know. I think Miyazaki obviously has more of a stronger legacy and probably more so- a solid filmography. But I just think Kon is something different. I would, in I would that agree I do really with like you. his work. Yeah. I just yeah. appreciate but, how esoteric yeah. he is, but... Anyway, you continue, you continue. Um, yeah, no, I just, like, watched it, like, at 2 o'clock in the morning, like, right after a huge spot with my mom. And I just remember, I don't, like, cry at films or anything, but this film, like, broke me. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, 
I was really surprised I didn't cry, I'll be honest, because usually, like, I don't cry a lot normally, but films, for some reason, just, like, like make me cry. I remember when I first watched Marriage Story, similar similar kind of situation. I watched Marriage Story by Noah Baumbach, uh, I think it must be a couple of days after I broke up with my girlfriend of two years, and it, like, fucking killed me, man. Like, I was like, holy shit. I was like, I should have not watched this, but also I should have because I had some, like, emotions that I just needed to get out of myself. And I feel like films and pieces of media that you can connect to your life kind of situations and things that happen to you are, like, like we create stronger bonds with. And I think that essentially as a creative or a director or, a, you know, music maker, I guess, it, it that is what makes a successful piece is when you connect to someone's personal kind of emotions and that's what I guess Hasurda's Wolf's Children is done for you. So yeah, you know. yeah. I think as well it would. I, I can see why it would be emotional for you that time when you're moving to college and stuff because I think obviously the whole film circulates around this idea of like independence and people choosing like the the kids in the film choosing their own paths rather than succumbing to what a certain person wants. And the interesting thing is is that I think the mum was more capable of letting um the boy do so i can't really remember their names lol um do what you know he wanted to do in comparison to the girl who i feel like was more like you need to start coming to school and you need to start acting like a fucking normal person mm-hmm. but then he was like no i want to be a wolf mom and i mean you gotta let just people be wolves you know yeah but what i found really interesting was the kind of role reverse and personalities in terms of like at the start of the film when you know when they're born and they start growing up and they're like infants the girl is very like hot-headed and she's she turns into a wolf like all the time and you know she isn't really afraid of her kind of like wolf like kind of side of her you know genetics but the guy or the boy wolf he's more like shy and timid when it comes to that kind of stuff and then grows into kind of embracing his kind of wolf side of himself and then by the end of the film also spoilers if you haven't seen it lol by the end of the film he's the one that decides that he wants to be a wolf and, and the girl is the one that decides that she wants to be human and try and recluse this wolf side of her so it's just very interesting i don't know that that, that was the kind of twist on it yeah i just i think it's a film about transition and change yeah and i think Watching that film, like, in a moment where, like, you're just experiencing something in your life where it's just, like, this is this is going to, like, shape the trajectory of myself as a person is, like, yeah. I would say very critical to the viewing experience of it. Mm-hmm. Like, not to say that you just can't, like, enjoy it, but, like, <laughs> it's, like, it definitely elevates the vibe a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's just, like, watching watching Hana, the mom just like struggle and like go through her day to day and like figure this shit out while also like not just dealing with like the regular trials and tribulations of like motherhood but like dealing with the fact that like her children are like half wolf and like they don't understand the like concept that they could be like chastised or like taken away for like circumstances that are outside of their control and seeing her just like smile through it all is just very inspiring and like yeah hopeful you know and i think it's it's interesting because it almost gets that point where when like cps come to her house and they're like you're like neglecting your kids because like you're not they're not going to school and stuff and we don't know what's going on and they that's obviously what they're going to assume but then if they find out the truth it's going to be instantly like getting tested mm-hmm. in like fucking like labs and stuff and what she wants is for her kids to have a fulfilling life and to make you know the the father who died happy because that's what he wanted at the end of the day but she can't do that unless she prevents them from doing things that would make them feel normal i guess but it's just it's hard to find that balance especially you know when i mean i think it's especially with you talking about just standard motherhood stuff without the wolf things is that I feel like Yuki, um, the girl, she's very like, I, I like her behavior is very sporadic and she does a lot of things that are kind of 
I think she's the one that um, the mum talks to the most. Like, Hannah is like, you just can't, like, just be a wolf at any time. Like, they're going to, like, do some bad stuff to you. And it's just hard to explain that to, like, a kid. Like, I think you could use that as an analogy for anything, really. I mean, for, I mean, I guess you, you can look at it from, like, a queer lens, I guess, in a sense that, I mean, when I was younger, I would do things that were quite, you know, camp. And then, like, my <laughs> parents would be like you might not want to do that at school because somebody's going to fucking beat you up. And I'm like, okay. And it's just the thing of like parents looking out for their kids, but then also you want to have the ability to be yourself, I guess. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a really interesting kind of thing. And I think that's what uh, Mamoru Hosoda gets the most is his films always have a, like a really heavy core theme of family. And I think it's obviously always a really interesting like topic to, kind of focus on and bring up because i mean i guess the girl who let through time isn't really as significant about family compared to like his new film mirai or summer wars Mm -hmm. Uh, but they still have a there's always a family involved in these films and it's always about that connection with family so yeah and I think that the, I think the, the the connection for family, even though like some awards is like really significant on family because it's like about him pretending to be, you know, can't remember her name, like the main character's like boyfriend, like fiance for like the film. But I think this one has a more intimate connection on family, a more kind of cozy. It's hard to explain, but some awards is about a big family. This is about like free, you know, a free person family trying to deal with the their differences compared to society and it's a really interesting concept yeah i I think that's one of like the things that like draws me to the film a lot as well Mm -hmm. it's just like the atypical family dynamic is it's like we don't see like stories about like single mothers that like explore their trials and tribulations like this deeply or if we do it's Mm -hmm. framed in a lens to where it's like oh look at how sad she is and how like she can't deal with all of this without people interjecting and like to some extent this film has that but it's also like very uplifting and like hopeful Mm -hmm. in like the fact that she is like creating a support system for herself even in her like earlier isolation like especially when she moves out into the mountains like learning that like she can create a network of people that will like have her back and like support her family regardless of mm-hmm. how atypical it is and they'll do that free of judgment i think is just very empowering and like an important mm-hmm. aspect of you know a tale about motherhood that should be explored and even that thing of like her finding it hard as a mother moving to a completely new area to kind of mingle with the community there and, like, I think it's always about this tight-knit community, whether it's a family-based one with, you know, her trying to keep her two uh, children away from harm, or if it's something more like a tight-knit community where she's moved to, you know, a countryside kind of village where a lot of kind of the people aren't... I mean, the old guy is, like, a dick to her at the start. But then by the end, he's like, yo, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out and everything's going to be fine. But I think it's just a really interesting thing. It's like you would feel that like a lot of the conflict and situations would be on the shoulders of the children because they're the ones having to control their differences. And I guess that is the case when they go to school and, you know, she has to like, especially um, Yuki has to do that when she doesn't want Sohei to find out. And then she ends up, you know, cutting his ear. But with the mother, you know, she's moving to a completely new kind of, place and is having to do things because she has no other option she has no other option other than to learn an agricultural life you know Mm. because they can't live in the city and i think even without the wolf stuff involved we always i'm always coming back this thing of like without the wolf stuff part involved there is still that element of like dealing and learning with a family and moving to a new place and having to adapt with what you have and having to adapt with what you need in order to survive in a certain environment so yeah no i i think that's one of the like best parts about like watching this film and like especially watching it like through the through the lenses of being a furry is it's yeah 
this film stands a lot on its own merit without the like wolf aspect involved yeah you know it's like the wolf hyperbole it it serves to just be hyperbolic because everything that they're experiencing is real like these are real experiences and that thematic choice is just elevating the emotion elevating it to its most like primal and animalistic pieces and i think Mm -hmm. that's what really like makes the film work but yeah it's not like conducive of like being a deal breaker of if it was or wasn't like added to the film Mm -hmm. and i think um on 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 top of that i think i i I completely agree because like i said with the bias the bias thing of like, oh, I thought I was going like, to absolutely love it because it's all about like humans being wolves and stuff. Like it was it was a good concept of the film, obviously, because it's a core concept, but I liked it because it was a good film, not because it was that. And I felt mm-hmm. like I was going to be really biased towards it, but I still really enjoyed it. And also I love like Mamoru Hosoda's like style. Like co- I love it so much. And I think it's, it's one of those core styles that I can definitely like point out and be like, that's a, that's a Hosoda film. Yeah. definitely and also i think one thing i really like that isn't talked about a lot is like the use of framing in his films in a sense that like i don't know it's just i think with a lot of ghibli films it's either like extremely wide shots mm. to show these like beautiful scenery or like, these beautiful environments or like close-ups to show like a character's emotions but the emotions in her soda films are kind of shown in unique ways of using like the framing so there's this shot of like ame in like a certain part where they're like i think they first moved to the countryside and it shows you all of these fields of like they're like new kind of place they're living and ame's in the shop but he's like really small in the bottom right corner and it just it just kind of represents how not only is this new environment a daunting thing for him just as a kid but he is still also very timid it's it's he's still at that age where he doesn't really like to turn into a wolf and he doesn't really like to embrace his wolf side so it's a really interesting way to show that kind of shy timidness within this character using that kind of framing because you usually don't see a lot of like characters popping out in the bottom right corner and all this empty space but in a Hasoda film you do so I do like the way that the framing's used and I think it sticks itself out compared to other anime or Japanese animation films so I yeah. would I would definitely agree with that like two of my favorite shots uh from the film just like it just doesn't feel like anime. It's like the scene of Yuki after she's just been reprimanded by like Sohei's mother for slapping him like on the side of the head. Yeah. And it's just Hana and Yuki like sitting in the car and yeah. she's asking her to apologize and you just see Yuki sitting with the like car seat on with the doors locked and she's just restrained in this box and <laughs> she just starts bawling like yeah. that just whole it holds so much weight yeah and just like because it, it's because she's like oh i was tr- i've tried and i was i was like i'm trying and i just it doesn't feel like anything to do with like her being a wolf it feels like something to do with like her like mental health or like her emotions and like lashing out in school and i think that is something that a lot of like adolescent people or like kids can like relate to i guess in a sense that they're not always perfect, but they try to be for the people that they care about the most as well. Yeah, and just like because you can't, because you, you don't even have to like link that to like wolf shit. Like you, you can link that to like somebody punching somebody in the face when you've been told to like control your anger issues or something like that. You know, yeah, it can be like starting a fight at school or something like that, and how it's a constant or kind of thing that you or like you know a constant issue that you as a kid have to deal with. But you know sometimes it's it's harder than it looks and i think sorry i cut you off you no, go you go you go i i just i think the like payoff to that too like at the end of the film uh during the storm where she like finally like does tell sohei about her wolf like mm-hmm. form is just so it, it just like fills you with so much vitality because it's like you see her again in this like moment where yeah the wind is blowing in through the window all of the drapes are just like flying around and Fly there's rain in. coming like covering in her. and like yeah. she's in a much more free and like open environment and she's still crying but like you can tell that the tone of her emotion has shifted and like yeah. she's come to terms with like what she is and what she wants in her life and 
the like framing like shows that liberation and like shows that freedom yeah. and it's because she's like and she, she's like she's like stark set in the middle of the frame yeah and then like she's she's um she's crying she's like i'm not crying it's the rain and it's just mm. like you can see that she's there's still an element of insecurity to her emotions but it's gotten to a point where she feels confident enough to tell someone about it and i think it's a re- like that's like a really important part of the film and i f- feel like her emotions also kind of or like the way she reveals herself to be a wolf in front of sohei mirrors that of when the dad reveals himself to be a wolf in front of hannah and yes. i think that is a kind of way to be like this person you can trust this person is going to be an important part of your life and it's a good decision that you've made yes yeah what else was like what was I gonna say i love the music in it as well i think the music is fantastic the soundtrack's amazing it's beautiful it's lovely. I don't know who composed it, but it's very, very good. And I, but I think her sort of films always have a fantastic soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I, there was something else I was going to say about film, but I forgot what I was going to say. But yeah, is there anything else you want to say about it? God, no. It's just <laughs> it's breathtaking. And if you haven't watched it, you should absolutely yeah put it on your list. <laughs> I think it's another one of those films that's like I'm not recommending this as an anime film I'm recommending this as a film yes. you should watch <laughs> yes like definitely because I think some people are always like recommend me an anime film and I'll just recommend you some like fucking mid film because it's an anime film but like I feel like this is one of those films that could be recommended as a just a set body of work it's why I always go on with like Eva like I'm just mm-hmm. like I don't see Eva as an anime recommendation I see it as a TV show yeah. that I'm recommending you like that just goes like it's, I think Eva's as good as Breaking Bad or fucking Better Call Saul or like anything like that like it's just a TV show that I recommend to people so I, I, I swear there was one that. thing I was gonna fucking say <laughs> I was fucking I'm, I'm trying to think about one one thing I was gonna say and it's annoying me because I'm gonna remember it as soon as we stop recording <laughs> and it's gonna piss it's gonna piss me off man <laughs> um oh well it happens um, yeah yeah well if that's it then that's that's the film and that's the episode that's crazy that's the time has flown by on an hour and ten yeah so <laughs> good time finishing thank you guys for listening to this episode uh thank you tack for coming on as well really appreciate it so thank you for yeah. having me <laughs> no worries you want to plug do you want to plug your shit before we before we yes um, finish off at taciturn deer on everything um hit me up i do art photography and i mm-hmm. like to think that i am just a generally nice person online <laughs> you are 100 percent. that's why we've been very very mutual since 2019 man fuck yeah dude obviously uh if you guys want to follow me it's on twitter it's at matty feels rough m-a-t-t-y-f-e-e-l-s-r-u-f-f uh, I post about podcast stuff. I do just silly little tweets. Um, I don't tweet bad enough that I won't get a job, but I tweet <laughs> good enough that I'm just a little bit funny. So I don't know. Uh, my letterbox is at Matthew underscore Beatty, spelled B A Y T E E. Like I said at the start of the episode, I'm like really behind with uh, reviews because I, with with the for real films that I watch, I like to write like a long review and then I post on my Twitter. So uh, I'll get updating that soon. And then of course, podcast updated every other week. If you want to have a chance to be on the show, I've kept the application form open. So if you want an opportunity to be on the show, the link is in the description. Uh, if you want to fill out a form and potentially be on the show, it's a, it's a good vibe. It's a good vibe. And that's me done. If there's anything else you want to say, or we're done. I think I think I'll call it. <laughs> All right, sick, cool. You call it, <laughs> guys. Thank you very much for listening, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Bye.